Welcome back to the Sturk and Ozza show. I'm Oliver from Rugby League, joined by Sturk from Here Comes the Boom. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing very well, Ozza. Footy is back on our TV screens and I loved that. I was not disappointed, to say the least. Um, how are you, my friend? I am good. And on the topic of Rugby League being back, <clears throat> we will be getting into all things Rugby League today. Uh, we'll be getting into the round that has just been, the round that is coming up. But first and foremost, we've got a couple of questions that were sent in last week by viewers. And I believe, Sturk, you've got um, a question too that was sent um, to you personally. So I'll let you get to that one as well. So we'll start off with the questions. Uh, the first one is from Jacob Thompson who asks, now that the Warriors can loan in players who would be uh, an ideal player for them to loan in um, or, or a type of player you'd like to see them loan in, Stuart? Um, and that's interesting. You um, That question was brought up because my friend that I was telling you about, he sent in a couple of questions and then he ended up sending a couple more. He was like, hang on, mate, we'll, we'll you know, it might be... A, a bit too many questions, but we'll get to them at some point. But one of these questions that he brought in was similar to this. It was talking about an ideal fit um, for the Warriors. And he mentioned the idea of bringing in a bench forward, a guy either as an impact player or an experienced forward as well. Um, he was more referring to next year to make them genuine um, top eight contenders. To continues, I should say, but yep. yeah, I think I think it's definitely a forward guy. Um, I'd like to see a leader brought in. Um, top of my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you a name. Um, it'd be another idea is you have Adam Blair there that brings that leadership, and maybe you want guy that's going to be your biggest game breaker in the forward pack that you could potentially bring in a guy that's going to maybe pop some few offloads or bring on some nice footwork off the bench, you know, rattle rattle the tyrant forward. So I'd go for a forward, I think, because um, from what we saw from the Warriors, there's potential that that back line, um, that half partnership might actually bit, might actually work. And obviously you've got a pretty elite back three, arguably the best in the comp. So, yeah, a forward for my liking. Yeah, um, I, I'm... I'm not necessarily looking position-wise for this. I'm sort of looking now. It would be great for them to bring in young players who aren't necessarily getting an opportunity at the club they're currently at, especially due to Canterbury Cup and Intrust Super Cup. You know, there's no word on when and if that'll return in 2020. So especially for that reason... Would be good to see some of them boys get a chance at the Warriors. However, would that be the best thing for the Warriors? Um, if they're looking to loan in players, they're looking to loan in someone who can, you know, genuinely help them out. Have, help them out, have a positive impact on the squad. I know that they need to make up numbers um, due to their injuries, but when doing so, you sort of want someone who will add something. You know what I mean, and not just people who are making up the numbers. Um, one thing I've certainly not wanted to see, and I don't think we'll see it now, but I don't want to see retired players come back. You know what I mean? They've retired. 
it's good that they've put their hand up to help out, but I don't want to see him back, especially when, you know, the young players aren't able to play right now due to the Canterbury Cup, Intra-Super Cup and the lower grades um, not coming back. So it would be more beneficial, at least in terms of the player development, for that player, for the younger players to get an opportunity at a, at a team like the Warriors through a loan deal. Just while we're on the topic, um, do you want to see loaning become, well, I think it will be, but do you want to see it remain a thing in the NRL beyond 2020 and not just for the Warriors? It's interesting. And to give you a definite yes or no answer, I probably can't, but if I had to, you know, give you, you know, one or the other, I'll probably have to say no because we look at, and we'll get to the Tigers later on, but that Harry Grant situation, you know, it looked, obviously, had a great game the other day and he's a, potentially going to be one of the best hookers in the game in the next coming years. His name's already been thrown up in the Queensland discussion. And then to think, you know, having this great year, getting these great combinations, and then hang on, he's going back to the storm next year. It just, yeah, it's funny. Like, it's, I understand why they do it, and it's worked out good for the Tigers, but they're kind of back to not square one, but it's like you got a glimpse of it, and then it's taken away from you. It's, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. Not completely against it. I just if I had to give you one, either yes or no, I'd lean towards no. That's interesting because I lean more towards yes. Um, it it's weird. Do I want to see more loan deals or more trade deals? Because it was sort of both a loan and a trade. Um, for, for sure. Yeah, Harry Grant and Paul Momorowski. Um I say yes for now because it works in other leagues. It works in the Super League. Um, they call it dual registration over there. And um, here we go. Here's my weekly everything rugby league plug. A lot of the Super League players I've interviewed started off in a, you know, they were loaned out to a different club. Um, and I've, I've asked every player about how they found their loan experience. And honestly, they they, they always talk about how much it helped them develop as a player, you know, how they don't think they'd be the player they are today if it wasn't for that loan deal. So it, it sort of makes you sort of makes you think. Now, could you... Because a lot of the loan deals, the dual registrations over there, is a Super League player not getting the minutes loaned to a team in the championship, the league below. Now, would you... How would it work in the NRL... You know, would you loan a player? Let's just, for example, would you loan? Uh, would the Broncos loan a player to the East Tigers, for example, in the Queensland Cup? Would teams be able to? Uh, it's just hard because a lot of the feeder clubs are well, they're feeder clubs, right? I've just said yeah. it there. So, yeah, it's weird. But look, if a player is not getting an opportunity at first grade because they're at a certain club, they're ready for first grade, but they're stuck in reserve grade for whatever reason, then maybe you could loan them out. I mean, let's just take Brendan Smith, for example. Say Melbourne went with another option off the bench last season. Brendan Smith has now proven in hindsight that he is, you know, a starting first grade hooker. Um, But Cameron Smith's there, obviously... 
it, it's worked out because he's still getting first grade minutes. He's still coming off the bench. But, you know, at the start of 2019, you would have said, hey, you know, Brandon Smith being loaned to, you know, about 10 other NRL clubs, that probably would have worked out. Yeah, for sure. So that, That's yeah. an interesting point. I think player development-wise, it's a big win. It's just I was looking more at it as a, a from that team that's received that player and um, and gone back because the Storm, like, Obviously, it's the tra- um, the loan trade thing, but the Storm could be the real winners of it, even though the Tigers look like the winners at the moment. Obviously, Harry Grant's performing for them now, but he's only going to be there for a year. He's going to go back to the Storm. He's played a full first year, first grade, without the Storm having to worry about, you know, giving them minutes. They can stick to their best 17 um, this year without having to worry about Grant um, getting those minutes because he's getting that experience at another team. And he comes back, you know, and obviously he's in the situation Smith's probably going to retire and there could be that hooker rotation between him and Smith and then, yeah, he's ready for first grade in the way. So there's definitely positives, but, yeah, there's um, and there's a few negatives as well. But, yeah, um, it was good to get your perspective on, on that as well. Yeah, uh, well, I'll quickly get to the second question I was asked, Zerk. Uh, top eight predictions. Now, we, we pretty much talked about it. I think it was two weeks ago. We talked a lot about it. So, look, I'm not going to, uh, um, to you know, make this a long segment or whatever. So, basically, for me, in first, I've got the Melbourne Storm. Second, the Sydney Roosters. Third, the Manly Seagulls. Fourth, the Parramatta Eels. Fifth, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Sixth, the Canberra Raiders. Seventh, the Cronulla Sharks. Eighth, the West Tigers. And if you'd like a bit more of an in-depth explanation as to why head to our podcast from two weeks ago so that's two podcasts ago um to find out a bit more Sturk, who have you got quickly yeah and i'll just um do a little plug here too i did a i've got my so before we started this podcast i was doing my own podcast and it's here here comes the boom you're still um, doing it though right we'll give a yeah, we'll give it a shout yeah, out. So I mean, I shout out my work every week, so you might as well. So I've still got the Facebook page, but I had that podcast yeah. well, which I haven't posted in a while, but I'm looking at potentially doing some more content, just kind of finding the time for it. But anyway, I did I did a um my ladder at the time. Yeah. Um so you can go check that out um on Spotify. So number one, Storm. Two eels, three was the roosters. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Four, the cowboys. Uh, five, I had the rabbitos. Six was the seagulls. Seventh was the knights. Eight was the panthers. And yes, the raiders were my ninth team. And if I could go back in time, they would definitely be in my eight. I think. But we'll touch on them later. I'm sure of it. (laughs) There we go. Um, um, What what were the questions you got sent, man? Sorry, I had a mental blank. Currently, I'll give you a bit of insight. Currently, I'm just quickly working on a post I'm going to upload as we're talking because a bit of news, it's not huge news, but it's to do with the Brisbane Expansion Club. So, Stoke, were you aware of the East... Tigers, the Queensland Cup team. I think I used them in that analogy uh, a little yep. earlier. 
Yep. Yeah. Well, they've they they've got a fair bit of money. They want to be the second Brisbane team in the competition. Now, obviously, if they are to be considered and accepted, and apparently the NRL are considering their bid, they're going to have to change their name because we've already got a Tigers in the competition, uh, right? Believe it or not, we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can do it. Just confuse the fans. Confuse beast. I mean, look, it's one of those things where it makes sense to do it, but do they have to do it? You know what I mean? Like, is it a big deal having two Tigers in the NRL? I don't know. I I, I guess it's for incoming fans. It can be a bit confusing. But apparently they've – now I'm reading the article here. They've filed a trademark um, to the name the Brisbane. So they're not going to be East Tigers. They'll be the Brisbane Firehawks. That's Mm, that's what they've – Interesting. It's a bit of a well. What the article said here, it's a little bit of like an NHL, like American yeah. sports team Feel. type name. Yeah, which I guess you know what with a lot of the teams who come in now and all the different sports, they they generally do have that sort of Americanized name. Now, I guess what I wouldn't have minded. Um, sorry, we're going a bit off topic here from what we're supposed to be talking about. But what I wouldn't have minded was if they changed their name to the Brisbane Bengals, right? Brisbane Bengals, BB, makes sense. Do you know what yeah. a, a bangle is? It's it's not that thing you have around your wrist, no. right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's... So the most common breed of tiger usually that we see when you think of a tiger, oh, that yeah. that's the breed, a Bengal tiger. Um, so Brisbane Bengals... They could keep the tiger insignia and everything. Like they wouldn't have to change too much. Do you reckon that'd be a good idea? Like they oh, like, they could keep I the like logo, it. but just yep. change the name to Bengals, and it still it still means the same thing, right? But it's not like tigers. And as I said, you change it to Brisbane Brisbane Bengals. I don't know. Yeah. That's just. But they might need to get me on for for their their marketing. For sure. No, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Should we get on to the um, first match? Sure. Another tangent. Sure. I'm due a tangent for sure. Yeah. Well, okay. The Eels and the Broncos. How did you see it, Sturk? Um, Well, how it was gripping. That first 40 minutes, it was obviously we've been waiting for it for you know, we found that announcement out that May 25th was going to be that date and there was a few spanners found the work and for it finally come and it did not disappoint. It was that first 40 minutes just flew by. There was um, there was free-flowing footy, some spectacular tries and the Eels at the end of the day, they were just... This Broncos got that... It was 6-all. But, um, and it looked like maybe that was all they needed, you know. The momentum potentially looked like it was about to shift, but the Eels just, you know, went into the break, put the, with another try, a brilliant effort from Sevo, and then they didn't stop from there. They just, their forwards were brilliant. And it actually is going to get to my my question from um, my friend Alex. He wanted to know your thoughts on the Paramount Eels pack and... I will comment on this because me and him discussed, um, we've been talking most weekend about the footy, and I do believe Eels have the most underrated forward pack 
Um, yeah. You know, I look at Ryan Madison. I felt like he was the unluckiest guy to miss out in New South Wales last year. Sean Lane is, you know, I I do rate um, Serenin and Thompson as underrated forwards as well. But Lane's another guy that, if his name was thrown in that origin mix, I wouldn't be surprised. Nathan Brown obviously wasn't near. He's, um, I was going to say the closest thing to Trevojevic in the sense of just like, that the style he plays, obviously he's got that bit more grub, but he's got there's just little glimpses of Trevojevic, that bigger size guy. Um, he's not Trevojevic. I'm, I'm not saying he's Jack Trevojevic, and obviously he hasn't. He didn't play this round, but just reminds me the most of him. And obviously he played for the Nines um, Kangaroo side last year. And Junior Paulo gets through a mountain load of work for his, you know, the size he is, the type of prop he is. He's an absolute machine, and. Um, Regan Campbell Gillard's the one that has played Origin out of all of them, and he's he had a down year last year, but I think a lot of it had to do with the situation. And yeah, they pro- provide a lot of go forward, and I just think that Pam out of four pack doesn't get the credit it deserves. I have to agree one hundred percent. I had Sean Lane as my man of the match in the game against the Broncos. A lot of people were saying the likes of a Mitch Moses, a Clinton Gutherson. I think a lot of people were saying Gutho because of the meters he made. I don't want to sound controversial or anything, but look, yes, he did make the metres and that's good, but you can't just base who you're picking man of the match based on the metres they make. I know that sounds silly, but you can't. He wasn't perfect. I'd still say it wasn't the perfect Gutho performance. Would you agree? You know, he did make some silly decisions in making those 200-odd metres. I thought he played bloody well. He played well, but there was still, he wasn't the best on ground for me. Okay, yeah, I I would personally say man the match, but um, because I see a few posts that you guys do in uh, other pages as well, and you know it wasn't it wasn't clear cut. It wasn't like yeah straight away Guffo. I was really impressed with Dylan Brown at the start of the match, and uh, especially the first half, I should say, and even Mitchell Moses controlled in both second rows. But I would have given the edge to Guffo, but yeah, there was a couple of errors, and Sean Lane was yeah probably the more um, probably more the more flawless game, you'd probably say yes. And, yeah, obviously got a try, a well-deserved try as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I've I, I, I go on a bit of a tangent about Gutho, I guess, but the, um, the, the reason why I bring it up is because I feel like the forwards were not getting the recognition they deserve. Personally, for me, the best two players on ground were Sean Lane and Junior Paulo. Um, yeah. yeah, that's just me, and I feel like they were criminally underrated in that sense that they they just weren't given that recognition. They weren't even given the recognition because, you know, the backs... Uh, the forwards were really setting up the backs, I guess you could say. They were, they were making good metres, great in defence, and if it wasn't for the forwards doing that, there's no way the backs would have performed as well. Um so, yeah, Sean Lane was my man of the match. So, to answer the question, yes, I feel like the, the Parramatta Reels forwards are criminally underrated. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, yeah, I just, I'll be interested to see, obviously, Origins at the end of the year, but if any of those forwards do nab a spot in the New South Wales team. Um, and I think Ryan Madison is a guy that brings a good defensive identity as well. And I think that's an area where, you know, we have to see more 
of a litmus test. And I think the Broncos, obviously, the first two rounds, they had the Titans and the Bulldogs, and they I think they only conceded one try, and they only conceded one try against a, a Broncos team that has a lot of attacking threats. Um, so two only conceded two tries in the first three games. It's pretty impressive, but it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, next week they got Manly to see when it gets into those tough, grindy games when the other teams... Um, you know, more, more of those high-calibre teams if their defence is still as good as it has been so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll quickly move on to game two now. Um, we're trying not to have a, a heaps-long podcast like we did last week, an hour and mm. a half. And as I told Sterk off camera, I'm sorry when we weren't recording, that um, that I for about half of that I was busting to do a wee and I raced <laughs> to the toilet as soon as it was... It was over, but don't worry. I'm feeling I'm feeling okay so far for an update. Not like you needed one, but um, yeah, we're cruising. So now to the second game, um, the North Queensland Cowboys up against the Gold Coast Titans. I'll get my spiel out of the way first. In the first half, the Cowboys were the better side, but the Titans were in it. Right? They looked like okay. The Cowboys will probably still win, but it doesn't look like the Titans are going to get flogged. Do you get what I mean? Like. Okay, yeah, it looks sure. it, it it looks like they'll they'll stay in it, um, and it, you know there there were glimpses, but that that's the thing with the Titans that annoys me, right? Every game, even when they do get smashed, it's usually they get a pile of points put up put on them with twenty to go or whatever. Just look at the game against Parramatta, even um, in round two before the season was postponed. For the majority of that game, it was Parra had the lead. Um, and we're looking the better side, but they they hadn't opened, let the floodgates open yet. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a huge problem. That's a trend I've noticed as well. Um, just it, it, it had a similar feel to the first game, actually, in the sense that, like, the Titans, you know, they obviously were being outplayed, um, similar to the Broncos, but they were staying in it, and then the points kind of piled on. In the end, um, Holmes looked good. And I just want to comment on Scott Drinkwater. Now, he passed. There were three passes he made. One got intercepted, and the other two were almost intercept tries. Now, I see that more as a positive than a negative. For him to have the confidence to, you know, obviously the first one early on the match of um, the winger, I believe, oh, I forgot his name. Um, I think he used to play for the Dragons. Um, Who, are you talking about the winger for um, for, the for the Titans, Jonas Pearson? Jonas Pearson, that's the yep. name. He nearly ran away and got intercepted very early in the game and drank water through two more passes. One was intercepted. I'm not too sure if it was Pearson that intercepted that one, but it's more positive than negative to have that confidence after you know having that era earlier on. Um, yeah, so it, it just for me, that was a that was just a sign where it's like it doesn't matter what's happened beforehand. You know, you're just gonna, you're still gonna play what you see. You're not gonna hesitate. You're not gonna, obviously, yeah. you know. In hindsight, if both of the all three players passes get intercepted and there's three tries, obviously you'd look at it differently. But I really liked how he just still had the confidence, and he, I thought he had, had another good game as well. And I was impressed with how Jack Clifford filled in for Morgan. Had a very solid kicking game. Yeah, just quickly before we move on, there have been reports that Corey Thompson could be going to the Gold Coast Titans before next week. I know I'm a Titans fan, so I'll sound a bit biased, but honestly, that would be an amazing signing for the club. And I'll just quickly tell he, um, tell why. 
the Titans are a club who usually ta- target in-form players or stars, pay a lot of money for them, and then they don't perform to that same level at the club. Corey Thompson's a guy who has gone underrated for the majority of his career. I'd argue is the most underrated fullback in the NRL in terms of the fact that he is a consistent performer there, but he keeps getting moved to the wing for whatever reason. Um, he, he doesn't have that X factor, obviously, but he makes up for it with effort, right? And he's a safe pair of hands, which is what the Titans need. They need a safe pair of hands, limit their errors. They need, he, he's got a decent defensive game and that effort. That's the main thing. I, I've been going on about it ever since the Titans, well, before they won the spoon, when they were down near the bottom of the ladder last year. The main thing that they lacked was effort. A lot of the players just looked like they weren't giving 100%. Corey Thompson, and I know you mathematically can't, but he gives 200%, right? Because he makes up for not having that X factor with his work rate. So if he can, you know, bring that to the Titans and, you know, because if he's putting in an effort, the players around him will lift. I'm not saying Corey Thompson will take the Titans to the premiership or anything. Hell, Maybe they'll still finish last at the end of the season, but they'll look a better side with Corey Thompson in it. That's just my take on it. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, that's interesting because would you think that if he comes in, he's your fullback, or would you have definitely? Well, well, that's why, right? Because yeah. no, but I, I, AJ's been out. I AJ's like, out. Yeah, but I like Philip Sammy, and when AJ's back, I just. I do I, like Philip Sammy, um, yeah. and he was really good the first two rounds. And put it this way, right now, I think he should be playing fullback for the Titans. But if you can get Corey Thompson in, he's still fine on the wing. AJ Brimson, when he comes back, he can play in the halves, can play at hooker. And if things go the way they're going, you know, the Titans probably wouldn't mind putting him in either of those positions. Hell, you know, he, I know he's that good of a player, but if he has to... He's a great bench utility too. So there's multiple roles that you can use AJ Brimson in. However, unfortunately, it looks like if he does come back, it'll be late in the season. Um, so by then, who knows? Corey Thompson could have cemented his spot in the fullback role or or, or a Philip Sammy um, or even a Tyrone Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah, I was a bit unaware when AJ Brimson is due back. So, yeah, it's one of those, it's not a sexy pick at all. But it's exactly what you said, one of the more underrated players in the comp yeah. and safe pair of hands. So um, we'll talk about, we'll get into the versus Rabbitohs game, eh? And I just think James Disco just proved why, you know, he's arguably the best player in the game. He, you know, I'm looking at NRL fantasy stats, all stats are kind of different, but they've got him there for 314 metres here. Um, he scored a great individual try where it was one of those things that they'll, they'll better than they'll playing better than the Rabbitohs, but it was still twelve six, and then he got that try and obviously pushed it to a two try um, deficit, and yeah they just didn't they weren't going to be stopped after that and yeah yeah it was one of those performances where you, the Roosters were locked in obviously they lost their first two games many people had kind of said ah oh, no nah, they're not going back um, back to back to back. Because obviously they lost their first three, our uh, first two, I should say, but they put on a clinic here, and I definitely, definitely in the conversation of premiership favourites um, at this stage. And yeah, it was a, it was a good statement game, I believe. Yeah, um, you know what we what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. 
people want to count the Roosters out, say that, oh, look, they lost their first two games, even though they scored the same amount of tries as the teams they lost to. Oh, you know, that's just proof that the Roosters will win the wooden spoon this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm obviously pushing it a bit far, but I think they put on a a performance to display why they're going to be back up there in 2020. Uh, My man of the match in this one was Victor the Inflictor. Um, put on some good shots, um, especially that one he ended up being let go for, which, you know, maybe I get the penalty. It was, it, it'd even be a little soft for a penalty, um, in my opinion. I could understand a penalty, but certainly not being put on report. So I think um, the right decision was made for him not to be suspended. What are your thoughts? It was awkward. Um, it was just an awkward tackle. It was a great tackle technique. It just got to that situation... Where, yeah, I don't blame the referees for making it a penalty, but yeah, for the safety of the player, it was the best call for the ref. But yeah, it's one of those ones I wouldn't have been skewing if it got let go. So yeah, but he was a force on defence, and I, um, it'll be he's one of the better young players in the game, Victor Radley, and one of those guys that is just loved by by the fans. He's just got that, you know, that that attitude about him and that smile, you know, you just always never forget about the after the grand final and beers, beers and more beers. Wins uh-huh. it all over the shirts and um yeah, no, he's a great player and um yeah. Yeah, uh, couldn't have put it better myself. Now we move on to Saturday, the Warriors only making two errors in the last five minutes of the game. How good. Yeah, Eli Katoa, Jermaine Tenor-Brown for me. They made my team of the week. Great performances from both of those guys. Um, they were the Warriors' two best players for me on the day. Um, yeah, an, all, an all-around great performance for me um, and a poor performance from the Dragons, unfortunately. What, what are you, what's your take on this? Yeah, so a start for the Warriors and... Um, probably the guy most stoked for Cody Nicarima. Obviously, he was kind of like a. I believe he was more of a late call-in, and um, he wasn't. He was of the bench for the first two games of the season, I believe, and he was probably the standout. Oh, you could probably you probably put Sheik in there as well, but for me in the backs, he was a standout. He had a great game, and I do think that combination of Blake Green can work. Obviously a running half and organising Blake Green. And people say it didn't work out for Johnson and Green, but at the end of the day, they did make the top eight. Um, you know, I, I think, I do actually think that it can it can work out, especially with the Warriors, you know, keeping the footy like they did. I was very impressed. And I, I do think it's a lot more sustainable, not to that extent, not 45 out of 47 completion rates, but I do think it's more sustainable than people might think. So... But the Dragons, it gets to another question asked by my mate, and obviously the teams have been announced this week, but how would you change the Bronx? Um, what would you do to the Dragons' spine? What do you think is the best solution to fix their issues? Um, I, I, I do. I'm interested to see Adam Clune have a crack this weekend. He actually broke his nose in training, but yes. he's going to play. Now, if the Dragons weren't in such a situation where they needed to experiment with the squad, where they needed him to come in and give him a crack, 
does he play? I'd argue he doesn't. Um, so good on him for, you know, realising that the team, put it this way, the team needs him right now. The team needs someone to just try and add something, someone to try and change their game up. And this is his big opportunity, so good on him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, I think over the past couple of seasons, we've seen Ben Hunt impress more as a hooker than in the halves. However, Cameron McInnes, arguably the best defender in the NRL period, um, in the NRL today period. Um, he doesn't start over him, doesn't start over an Isaac Luke, I don't think. And he is on too much money to come off the bench every week. So what do you do with him? I'm not mm. sure. He's still a fine half. He, he's a fine half, but not one that warrants the amount of money he's been getting. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm keen to see Clune get a go, but I, I honestly can't answer that until we've seen, I guess, a few more variations. Um, and, but first, first of all, I'll be keeping a close eye on the likes of Adam Clune and a Corey Norman at the back this weekend. Yeah, no, well, but I personally, I I would just love to see um, a hunt to hooker situation, and also just yeah, probably McInnes to thirteen. Um, I just I'm not saying that's going to fix the world. I just like to see it, and then I have Tristan Saylor at the back, Paul Norman at six, and um, at the seven, this guy coming to make his debut this week uh, in Adam. Uh, I haven't watched him play before. But I obviously I've been listening a bit, and apparently he is a good young talent. But I I'd believe like, I'd like to see how that happened. Obviously, I've got I'm a huge Tristan Saylor fan, and I do believe Ben Hunt's best footy at this stage of his career is as a hooker, especially with the rule changes that have been in place. With the I think he can exploit the speed, the increase in speed of the game. Yeah. Uh, just on Clune, I haven't watched a whole lot of him either, but I believe he was the New South Wales Cup or well, the Canterbury Cup halfback of the year last year. And the Dragons won the minor premiership in that competition. So, Thanks you know, it, 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 it does say a lot. I know it's the secondary competition, but, you know, if you're the best halfback in the second division, surely that means you have the quality you have the quality to play in the first division, if you get what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, we move on now to the Sharks up against the West Tigers. I'm telling you, the West Tigers, I had them tipped to finish eighth in the preseason, and that was the one I was a bit worried about. My little bit of a bold prediction, one I could see happening, but you know, it was a bit bold to make that prediction. And I have to tell you, at this point, they are making me more confident each week. Benji Marshall currently finds himself tied second um, in the Dally M points tally. I know it's only round three. He's only one point behind Jason Taumalolo. He is tied with Tom Javojevic and I believe Clinton Gutherson. Um, Luke Brooks has come back from injury, and I've said before how underrated I believe he's. That edge, um, the Luciano, the, the, the Leilua brothers, not the Luciano brothers, Luciano and Joey Leilua there with David Nofaluma, who is who has currently scored four tries this season and is tied top try scorer so far for the season. So it was a great performance by the Tigers. And, yeah, they're just further proving proving 
um, proving me right, I guess you could say. And I hope they do make the eight this year because they'll give it a little bit of a shake-up to what we've seen in recent seasons. So that's always good. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to be honest. This is the one game I didn't watch at all over the weekend. I was out on the Saturday night and I did find my time to watch the game that was after us and I was able to watch the Warriors game too. But I was missed most of the action of this game. But when, I, when I've looked at the highlights and looked at the stats, it is a guy that I've always or been impressed with for a few seasons now and I can just see him improving slowly. Alex Twile, 18 minutes he played. Yep. He made 43 tackles and ran for 165 metres and zero missed tackles according to um, NRL fantasy stats. He's just a workhorse, and I feel like his, he is going to get the record, uh, recognition um, as the season goes on, especially if the Tigers keep conceding, um, keep this trajectory up. Um, yeah, they're just a team that they're not, you know, blessed with talent. They're obviously not the the greatest looking roster, but with the leadership of Benji Marshall, just the the way Madge Madge is one of those coaches that gets the best out of his players. Um, David Nofaluma is one of the best got wingers in the in a row in terms of just meter meter gainage and being an extra forward at times, and also is a great finisher finisher as well. I don't think many footy fans would forget about his finish against the Manly Seagulls in twenty thirteen, one of my favourite tries of all time. But yeah, not yeah, I didn't have them in the eight, and I had them twelfth, but. Oh, they're one of those teams I'd love to see them make the eight. And I tell you what, it's looking a very good chance it could happen. Yeah. Uh, what about the Sharks? See, Wade Graham is just oh, – I love Wade Graham. Like, how – the highlights I saw, obviously, he set up the grubber um, try for a grubber kick, and there was another – it would have been an awesome try that they would have scored. I forgot what happened at the end of it. But, yeah, the Sharks, obviously, I didn't watch the game fully, so you – have a better insight to me, but yeah, they were they were down by ten, and then they got the lead, or um, or might have been twelve. They were down by, and yeah, they just it seemed like they played in patches. That's what I got from it. So I'm looking back at it in um, retrospect. Yeah, um, it's weird because in round one, the Sharks were the better side against the Rabbitohs in the second half. They just unfortunately had a poor first half. Otherwise, I believe they would have won. Game two against the Melbourne Storm looked really good. I believe they could have beat the Storm and were arguably on par for, with Melbourne for the majority of that game. Game three was probably their worst game to date, but it still wasn't absolutely terrible. I've actually tipped them to beat the Cowboys this week. One, Jason Tamalolo's out. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, my audio just dropped out for some reason, so we had to cut this one, but um, for you guys it should be okay because it'll be spliced together. But Sturk, unfortunately, that meant your last point that you made was cut off. And unfortunately, because I'm the one recording, I don't think the audio would have picked up. So where were we? We were at the Raiders Storm. Storm. And you know what? We'd only just started on the topic, didn't we? Um, So what were your thoughts on the game, Sturk? Well, we can quickly go over this one because obviously a little bit of heartbreak here with the boys going down, but the Raiders were just brilliant. Honestly, they looked really, really good. Um, they 
adapted to the speed of the game really well, especially their halves, George Williams, Josh Hodgson, spectacular. They just really, and their defence, they were just aggressive in defence. The Storm made some some mistakes. Um, and they've been doing that. Um, there's been a few games in recent memory now that they've made some uncharacteristic mistakes where it's now not becoming that. Like, just some little sloppy things, just little stuff near the line. Um, they're running, they look too structured near the line for me. They just look predictable. In a sense, and obviously take nothing away the Raiders, they were uh, awesome, but just a few alarming things for, as a Storm fan. Um, obviously, Munster had the, the stat line to back it up, um, a, a good performance by him, but yeah, the Raiders were just spectacular. They were, they were scary. Um, yeah, very, very scary, but I just read, now, you probably... You might have seen something too while we cut out just previously. John Bateman. John, John Bateman. Yeah. Yeah. So is it another shoulder injury? Uh, well, we, uh, I I don't know if it's another one or he's just not recovered properly from the last one and he it's indefinite, so he could be out for the season. So, Jesus, man. Huge blow for the Canberra Raiders, definitely there. He's the he, because, you know, obviously they've got a got great roster. Um, around them, and I wouldn't, you know, I'm not saying that the premiership hopes to, um, done, not at all. But he's kind of the guy that can make something out of nothing, and he brings a little edge to their team as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's a big loss, and also just touch on Papali. I thought he was great last year, established, really established himself as a probably a top three front row, and he can if he can continue. Year, which it looks like he is, you know, it's going to be a big year for the Green Machine. Certainly is. Um, and George Williams, as you said, I'll just reiterate what a performance, and hopefully he can sustain that. Um, anyway, just be, we move be, on. Oh, we'll just quickly with George Williams. Yeah. It's one of those things that obviously who George Williams was to an extent. He's played England and he's had success over in the Super League, but it would be interesting to see when teams are more locked in on how good he is, if he is minimised a bit more. Just to see if just it's kind of not like a, shouldn't say a flash in the pan, but if he's just because we are a little bit naive to what he can provide, is he going to be kind of more of a guy that gets brought up in the, te- in the team talks in the middle of the week and he gets, yeah, just shut down more? But I don't know. That's just something that just pops into mind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we move on to Sunday now. Start things off with the Penrith Panthers and Newcastle Knights draw. Um, I named my team of the week a couple of days ago from round three and no Panthers and Knights players made it because pretty much every player had a great game um, a very high-level game that it was very hard to decipher which play got in. You know, for example, there were a couple of positions where it was like, do I go for the Knights player or the Panthers player? Oh, no, but this player in the same position had a really good individual game in that game over there. So because both sides were so good, I guess, I couldn't pick anyone from either side. And I've never experienced that before, so it was weird. What did you think of the game? 
Oh, just one one absolute effort from the Knights. Obviously losing Mitchell Pierce really early on and having Ponga obviously not being in the side from the get go. Watson picks up a ankle injury too. And Randall comes on and record breaker, seventy four tackles, I believe, on his debut. Just you know, you wouldn't be you wouldn't have heard of it. You wouldn't be able to write about it. And yeah, they some great defensive efforts early on. Tex Hoy, brilliant try saving tackle. And then the Panthers got two tries back to back kick out, I believe, and um, there was another try thrown I forgot who scored it, but and then that kinda of looked like okay, it was a great spirit effort. Well, I could see the effort was there, but the Panthers are just going to be too good. But they hung on, and they ended up actually scoring more tries than Panthers. It was just that eight-point um, eight point try for the Panthers that ended up making it. Obviously, Burden had a bit of a rough night with the drop picks, but spirited effort from the night. And, yeah, I think that shows good thing to come for the Newcastle boys. You can just see there are different... They're a different side this year with Adam O'Brien and the yeah, main role. Um, we move on to the last game of the week. The Manly Seagulls up against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Basically, all I want to say is Tom Trevojevic further proving why I've got him picked for the Dalian medal this year. Stirk, what was your take on it? It's probably the most predictable game of the round. Like, if you said... At the beginning of this round, the Manly Sea Eagles were going to win 32 to 6. Bulldogs weren't going to offer anything in attack. Be completely behind the eight ball. That's And that's what happened. And I would have definitely believed you. And yeah, it's. I've never. You know, a lot of people had. A couple of experts or panelists had Bulldogs. You know, obviously they had a great interview last year and a lot of them had them, a few people had them as their smoky team to make the eight, but I just I just didn't see it. The only way I could see them doing it is just playing real, you know, high effort each week, playing with a lot of heart, similar to what they were doing at the end of the season, similar to what the Tigers are kind of made of, kind of playing above their weights in a way. Um, but, yeah, the Bulldogs team, I think it's going to, I don't think, I do believe they'll be in the bottom of the, the bottom four teams in the league, and yeah, but Manly, Manly look good. But I'm, yeah, we'll lead into it shortly. But I'm very much looking forward to Manly versus Eels. Definitely. Um, speaking of moving on to the next round, we move on now um, to our tips for next week. Sorry, this week, tomorrow, actually, Jesus, tomorrow, tomorrow, is, yeah, it's coming tomorrow, up. the Brisbane Broncos up against the Sydney Roosters. Who you got? Same. Roosters, reasonably com- comfortable. Oh, I wouldn't say reasonably comfortable, but I'm reasonably like, confident that they'll win. I think it'll be similar to their win over the. Maybe they put up a little bit more of a fight than the Rabbits, but I think it'll be about two tries, three tries in it. I believe. Fair enough. It's just uh, the yeah. Panthers and the Warriors. You know what? The Warriors. I've thought about this game a lot, and there's potential for Viliami Kikau to have a field day uh, up against Nikarima. I believe it's probably going to be a half match up with him. But I really like, 
I think even in the first two games when New Zealand obviously didn't get the win, they were still, you now quote me, you know, pick up on a mistake if I am wrong, but I feel like their ball retention wasn't too, too bad, pretty impressive in that game. It's just them able to execute it. And to be fair, I think they'll, they look better on attack. And obviously, obviously, in the first two weeks, um, last round, and the Panthers weren't able to execute well last week, especially with no Nathan Cleary. So, I'm going to go after Warriors. So I think they're going to keep the ball. I think they're going to execute enough of their plays that they'll get. They're probably my bold pick of the week, but yeah, I think they'll get the job done. I'm not confident, confident, but yeah, I'm. With it. Yeah, I am going to go with the Panthers. I can see why he went with the Warriors, but I don't know. I need to see more. I I know it's crazy to say because they only had two errors last week, but you got to look at the team they were up against too. Who, I'm sorry, Dragons fans, it, it was not the best outing we saw from the Dragons. It'll be a bit of a litmus test, I guess you could say, for the Warriors um, to see if that was just, you know, that one week. Um, where that support that, you know, everyone's second favourite team tag really impacted them, or if they can kick on from here, uh, it'll be hard against the Panthers, who are currently undefeated, um, but I will be going with the Panthers, I think. Uh, put it this way, I don't think they'll flog them. Penrith for a side, let's put it this way, on paper, Penrith should win this easily, but it's the games that Penrith should win easily that they don't. Uh, just take example, the game against Newcastle, as soon as Pierce and Watson went down, Panriff should have owned them. They did in the first half, didn't in the second. Um, so I'm going to go with Penrith in a tight one. Who have you got for... What's the next game? Damn, I've recently released my tips earlier today. Storm Rabbits. Storm and Rabbitohs. Storm. I am going with the Melbourne Storm. What about you, Sturk? Yeah, I am to two bounce back games. Um, bounce back games for both teams. Obviously, both went up against title favourites last week in the Raiders and the Roosters. But I see the Storm getting over the top. I think they are the better team. Um, nothing against the Raiders, but I just see the Storm getting it done. Yeah, I will find it tricky to see them win back to back games, but. Yeah, I wasn't overly impressed by the boys last week, but I think they'll bounce back. Yeah, I have to agree. South Sydney have looked poor since the second half of round one. Um, they could be in a bit of a danger in a bit of danger here, South Sydney, and I think Melbourne will. They'll be back. They they don't put it this way. They don't respond well to losing, in the sense that they'll come out the next week and win. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. For sure. Move on to the fourth game of the week. The big one, the Eels up against the Seagulls. A flip of the coin. I'm going with Parramatta here just based off of current form. And I know that's silly to say, but Parramatta, they're on top of the ladder. They're 3-0. and Manly are 2-1. and That's the only reason why I'm going for Parra. And it's at Bank West, which I know there's no fans, um, but Parra will not have to travel. Manly will. Yeah, I think Power too. Um, I almost said the Seagulls. I think the Paramount Eels are actually going to go. I'm not too sure what the schedule's looking at the start, but I think they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be pretty 
impressive early on. They're going to be playing fast, obviously, and I think teams are going to struggle to um, defend that at the start. But I think as the season goes on, you know, some maybe some team will figure it out and other teams will follow that trend. But at this stage, I think the Eels will just be too good, um, just, I should say. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I would sit on going to say the Eels in a close one. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. As I said before, um, you know, I, I'm literally going off of the stats here. 3-0 and against 2-1. and I know that's stupid. And Parramatta, for a home advantage, that's... Uh, it was a flip of the coin for me, so I had to scrape at the reasons I could. Right. That, that was pretty much it for me. Uh, the Cowboys versus the Sharks. I'm going with the Sharks here. Now I can explain my point that I was going to before. The Cowboys are favourites. However, Jason Tamalolo is out. He's easily been their best player the past two games. The Cowboys record up until this point. They lost in round one to the Broncos. They dominated a Bulldog side who, as you said, uh, probably will be in the bottom four this season. They then flogged a Gold Coast Titans side, which are the favourites by far for the wooden spoon. So I wouldn't exactly say they're a litmus test for the Cowboys. You then look at the Sharks, who are 0-3, with a better side against South Sydney in round one in the second half. Were on par with Melbourne, I'd say, in round two. And in round three, managed to still score 16 unanswered points against the West Tigers. So although they're 0-3, I don't think they've been terrible. And although the Cowboys are 2-1 and one and have flogged two teams, they haven't exactly... Well, they've looked great. But, I mean, you know, the Titans and Bulldogs, without being too disrespectful, and this is coming as a Titans fan, for a lot of teams this season, they are probably going to make those teams look great. So, yeah, I'm going with the Sharks. What about you? I'm going to go with the cows. Um, I understand the points you have made. Obviously, Tim Lowe is a huge loss. Um, I just think that the four-pack still will hold well against the Sharks' four-pack. And I think the loss of Chad Townsend will be a big I believe he, the shark he, he's not missed a game since 2015. Yeah, so really? I believe he he was at the Warriors in 2015. So since yeah. coming back to the Sharks, he's um, been, I think he, he was at, was he at the Sharks and the Warriors and the Sharks or maybe even the Warriors, Sharks, Warriors, Sharks? Yeah, he, he, yeah no, nah, it was Sharks, Warriors, Yeah, Sharks, Sharks Warriors, Sharks. So, you know, he has not been injured since he spent that stint at the Warriors, which means... You know, a, a hundred straight games uninjured, so that that's a bit sad to see. But it was it's an admirable, uh, an admirable streak, none the less. Mm. Yeah. So for that, well, it's not my sole reason, but I do think um, I do agree. The Sharks obviously weren't as bad. You know, they're not. Even though on the ladder they're own three. It doesn't tell the whole story, but I do think the Cowboys got the edge over. And I've been, I have been impressed with Holmes as well, and he might be the difference at the end of the day. Yeah, he could be. Uh, uh, and it's against his old club as well. So, yeah, True. we'll have to wait and see for that one. 
Up next, we have the Canberra Raiders up against the Newcastle Knights. I know this is a close one for a lot of people, but even though Johnny Bateman's Knights. out, I'm... Knights? No, I was, no, no, say, sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, it's going to be a close one, but I'm confident in Canberra victory here. How about you? I don't know what made me say tonight. Sorry about that. Um, I think I was just looking straight at the logo on my screen. But, yeah, I think the Raiders. I'd love the Knights to get up, but I, there's no reason for me to tip against the Raiders at this point in time. They're just, yeah, they're being very impressive. Yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. I thought there might have been a little little bit of debate there, but I think, Nah, yeah. nah. I can't. I know Pong is back. It's just, yeah, they I just think they'll, out, they'll just outmatch them. Okay. Up next we have... I need to stop clicking off the draw. I'm sorry. Um, the West Tigers um, heading to Suncorp to face the Gold Coast Titans. I don't want to go into it too much. I'm picking the Tigers. I, I explained earlier why I think they're a top eight side. Um, you know, that edge, the Leilures and Nofaluma. Benji is currently on fire. Luke Brooks is underrated as ever. Um, as I explained a couple of weeks ago, I'm going with the Tigers. Believe it or not, to win this game. Who have you got, Stirk? Tigers. I thought you said <laughs> yeah. Titans for a second there, but... <laughs> well, Disguise. I'm going to have to tip the Titans one of these weeks, right? They're my team. They got to, they got to give me a reason to tip them. Got to give me a reason. Hell, if they had continued that performance in the first half against the Cowboys and not got absolutely flogged, maybe I would have you know considered tipping them. But anyway, um, another shake up to the side this week for the Titans. So I'm interesting just to see how it goes. Look, if they don't get flogged, if it's a relatively close game, then I think it's a step in the right direction. Now. I believe we're up to the last game of the round. We are in this one. It's a lot, a lot of stakes here because there are reports that if the Bulldogs lose, Dean Pay will be sacked. If the Dragons lose, Mary McGregor will be sacked. I'm going with the Bulldogs to win here. And yes, I think this could be it for Mary McGregor. However, I've got a theory. Um, a lot of people were calling for McGregor to be sacked last year. There was um, a review at the club and McGregor wasn't sacked and a lot of people were wondering why. I sort of think it's because they've brought in Shane Flanagan as assistant coach and because he can't be a head coach in the NRL until 2021, I think at the end of 2020, you see where I'm heading here, they might say see you later Mary and bring in Shane Flanagan. So what I think is happening is the board are keeping Mary around for an extra year and they're just waiting. They're just waiting until Shane Flanagan can take over as head coach. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've said this in my lab prediction. I think I didn't like the Dragons situation this year. I don't think Paul McGregor's had the best stint in recent years and it doesn't help having a, a former premiership winning coach kind of breathing down your neck you know, waiting for his opportunity, and obviously he's he's literally going to wait for his opportunity legally. Yeah, he can't jump in there like you've said. So, yeah, but I've took the dragon. Okay. Um, 
I've tipped the Dragons. I just think they have more strike options compared to the Bulldogs, and I think it's going to be not the most appealing game okay. to watch, to be fair. But it could, it could, because they're both the two, two teams that obviously they're bottom of the ladder, and it could be one of those games where it's, it's a close one, and it could be a turning point for one of these two teams. You never know. Um, and the Dragons might find a gem here in their new spine combination that they've cooked up for this game. So you don't know. But, yes, I've just got the Dragons over the Bulldogs purely because I believe they offer more on attack with Hunt and um, also if you uh, Frizzell too. There we go. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add, Stirk? Anything... Um, anything extra, any special shout-outs, anything at all. Um, you've got the last word, my friend, because I'm done. I've talked enough footy for the past hour and a half. It's been a great chat, as always. I apologise for that audio issue halfway through. Um, but as always, Stirk, thank you very much. Um, and the last word is yours. Yeah. No, I don't believe I have... You didn't think too much to add from a rugby league perspective. But, yeah, thank you, Ozzy, um, for having me on again. Um, and I'll just quickly say, like I did a little plug earlier, obviously I've got my own podcast, Here Comes a Boom. I'm thinking about doing some more uh, pod, uh, weekly podcasts on that. I'm just looking at some potential ideas. I'm going to have more time in the future to do so more content for my page, um, I hope, and also, like I said, the podcast. So let me know any ideas, rugby league related or not. I was thinking about potentially inviting some fans on or some of my friends on to do a bit of a quiz theme. So a bit of a, you know, a questionnaire type um, style podcast. So that's something I've thought about. But yeah, let me go, guys know if you have any other potential podcast ideas so cheers again for listening guys and catch us next week